This is the Insulon podcast, where I, Owen Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode... So yes, Richard, to answer your question, it is normal, it's expected, and based off the way you asked the question, it seems as if you're seeing your blood sugar lower with cardio and higher with resistance training, which is basically the exact same as me. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. And we are recording. We got there, finally. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Insulone podcast. Was that really loud? No, I was just going to comment on it's been a tough half an hour. Oh, let me greet everybody first. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining. Much appreciated. Another good episode Ooh. on the way. We got there eventually, Graham. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a rough morning. Let me let, let, a little bit of an insight. Let us pull back the curtain off the Insulone podcast here. Exactly. Owen has been so on professional. To me. Owen's been on to me for the last twenty four hours, telling me how fantastic his new setup is. He got a new monitor, a new wireless mouse, a new wireless keyboard. He's got WhatsApp web open, so he called me on his brand new monitor. His laptop. <laughs> you're making on a me not, you're making stand. me sound bad. Oh, and then this morning, couldn't figure out how to work. Our recording software. Why is this not working? Blah blah blah. It's not working because of your new setup. Me with my crappy little selfie stick, sellotape to the wall with my old laptop working perfectly. You were the problem this morning, Owen. Look, didn't we get to spend more time together? That is true. That is we are true. spending more time together. Not a bad thing, Graham, as always. So stop complaining, please. Do us all a favor. Can I uh, can I tell you a quick a quick story that I haven't actually yeah. told you? About, I've been, I've been saving it for our podcast. It's happened two weeks ago. Oh, no. I've been waiting to tell this. So, I don't know Is about... diabetes related? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, but this lockdown, well, we're in our third lockdown here in Ireland. I know all around the world, people are in and out of lockdown. But I've been having the most vivid dreams of my life. Like, literally, you know you dream, you're in a dream. But I literally feel like I'm there. A dream... Two weeks ago, I think at this stage, it was just after the last podcast we did together and I was in a hospital and I was in bed in one of the beds in the hospital and a doctor was coming over to me just telling me I've been diagnosed with type one diabetes and the doctors and the nurses all around were really worried and making sure I was okay. I was like, I'm fine. Yeah. Okay. That's grand. I know, I know about it. And they were like, no, but you gotta, you gotta inject and you gotta make your DKAs and your ketones and you gotta make sure you're going too high or too low. I go. I co-host a podcast about <laughs> diabetes with insulin. All right. I think I'm going to be fine. And I started walking up and leaving the hospital in my hospital gown. And they're like, no, you forgot your insulin. You forgot your insulin. I go, oh, yeah, sorry about that. Can I have the insulin there, please? And I was like, I'm diabetic now, but it's going to be OK. I think I think I know enough about it to get me by from being on the podcast for nearly a year a week off a year since we started no way that was my next question i was gonna ask do you feel that you were confident in the dream purely based off the fact that you've now done pretty much a year of diabetic podcasts you couldn't understand how confident i was (laughs) i was getting out of bed i was like oh yeah that's fine it's going to be okay. I, I understand. It's, it's going to be fine. I've, I've heard so many people's diabetic or diagnosis stories. 
And uh, I'm now one of them. And I know where to go from here. So I was going to start listening to the Insulone podcast even more. No listen way. back to, to, our, to ourselves having conversations. Maybe that was just me over all this time wishing yeah. so hard yeah. that you would one day become diabetic. Absolutely. Look, maybe it's coming to fruition. Maybe. It starts Hopefully. in your subconscious and then it eventually comes into the real world. Yeah. Well, look, I'm glad you're I'm glad even in your dreams, you were prepared for your diagnosis. <laughs> it proves that you are learning a lot from the podcast, Graham. Take and I in. hope people listening are still learning a lot from the podcast, which is the main thing. This week, Owen, will we truck on with the episode? Because at the end of every episode, we do encourage the Insulone podcast listener to get in contact with us via emails. And sometimes when myself and yourself are chatting, Owen, we chat so much and we don't have time to answer the emails at the end. We might just get to one or two. But we decide, decided this week, because we were getting so many emails in recently, to the podcast at gmail.com. And if you do have an email, please do send it in to us. Any questions or comments or anything. If you want to check it again, you can check it in the description of this episode. It's right at the bottom. We said that we would dedicate uh, for the first time and a whole episode to answering your emails, reading your emails out, try to really big up the community. And we want this to become a thing that we do for the future on. Definitely every couple of weeks, we dedicate an episode to your emails. Absolutely. Yeah. I think over the past just about year, as the podcast has grown, which I'm very thankful about, the more, obviously the more emails are coming in, which is great because I always say, and I've I've referred to the podcast in previous episodes as an open forum. I want it to be like that. I want it to be people who are listening, if they have a question or if they have a story or anything that they feel is relevant to me or to you, Graham, don't hesitate to reach out. Please. Even if it's something you don't want us to share on the podcast, but you still would like to let us know, absolutely get in touch because... As Graham has just described, he's more confident about his own fake diagnosis. (laughs) And even personally, when I hear from more people out there with diabetes and when they... There we go. I was wondering where where the voice crack was coming. How long are we in? Uh, Seven minutes in. Nice one. Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) Anyway, don't hesitate to reach out. We love getting the emails and we appreciate it. So yes, we are having open forum email answering episodes which yeah. I'm looking forward to and also it. these oh, sorry, these are emails that I haven't read so I wanted to kind of be off the cuff Graham reading through them and asking me so even more exciting email number one we're going to Germany this is what I love about this podcast we're going all over the world <laughs> this is from Sebastian from Germany And Sebastian goes, hey, Owen, hey, Graham. My name is Sebastian. I'm 21 years old and I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was eight. First of all, I love the podcasts. They're amazing. I really enjoy listening to you guys during workouts or when I just want to relax. It's the first time that I'm listening to a podcast and my attention is not drawn away by anything because you guys really managed to catch me. Thanks for that. That's incredible to hear, Owen. Unreal. Thank you. Especially in this day and age where... You pick up your phone every two seconds to check Instagram or Twitter or TikTok. The fact that we're keeping the attention is very good. Yeah, good. Unreal. Good start. I've been thinking about telling you guys a short story, which I just thought might help people who got bullied due to diabetes. You know, just sharing another point of view. Certainly a topic that we haven't covered yet, Owen. 
I know you were diagnosed at 19. Sebastian was diagnosed at eight. So very different diagnosis stories. Sebastian would have had to grow up through school with it. Did you encounter anything like that at 19? Or had you kind of reached a point where you're kind of going into adulthood and hopefully bullying kind of from schools had stopped? Yeah, I suppose that's that's one of the factors of living with diabetes that I have thought about a lot, um, particularly when I was kind of newly diagnosed. And I say my confidence within diabetes hadn't fully grown yet to an extent. And I often wonder that because I was older, I was 19 when I was diagnosed, I didn't have to go through all my school years with it. And I'm sure, Graham, as we both know, like when you're younger, you don't really want to be different in any way. Mm. And being diabetic, it doesn't make you very different, but you do have to do a lot of different things throughout the day, um, which can make people feel very different. So I personally have never experienced anything like that. Um, But I know even from the guests that we've had, it's a similar theme that kind of echoes through their stories of I was afraid that I would be different to my classmates or I was afraid that somebody might point and laugh and these kind of things. Well, let's get into Sebastian's story because I have read it and it's like a movie. There's a twist at the end. (laughs) No way. All right. So let's get into it. So when I was diagnosed, I was in two class in elementary school. Presume that's second class is different around the world, but you would have been eight years old. So whatever that equivalent is in your country. After getting out of the hospital, not knowing what to do with myself, because I didn't really grasp the depth of diabetes meant, I tried to live on just a normal life. There's been a fellow student in that time who always liked to pick on me, more so when he found out that somebody was different than he was. So that's what we're talking about is being a kid. It's not great being different. You just want to kind of blend in. So life in school became quite difficult. He would come along, seeing me check my blood levels and inject myself. Eventually, he became a nightmare, taking away my diabetes stuff, throwing things at me and openly calling me a diabetic pig. Things started to get out of hand and the school took action and we figured it out in the end. So very difficult time for Sebastian. Mm. A few years later, I was in middle school. My mom got a phone call from another mother whose son had just been diagnosed with diabetes and she didn't know what to do only remembering that her son had a classmate who was and still is diabetic too. No way. This mother was the mother of my bully. No way. (laughs) No way. And he had been diagnosed a week ago and is now a diabetic too. A type 1 diabetic. What are the chances? If you believe in karma... There it is. <laughs> oh, my, that is madness. So wow. Sebastian goes on. I was not happy about it. And I don't have a feeling that justice took place because I, and I think no diabetic wishes that to anyone. But mm. then, but the irony, can you imagine? Like, what are the odds? Later on, I met him once at my endocrinologist. And let me tell you, it was awkward as fuck. So I don't want to tell anybody that if you're bullied because of diabetes, that all your bullies will get it too. <laughs> But there are better times coming and that it is important to surround yourself with people who are treasuring you and a community which can truly grasp your problems. We're not alone out there. So thanks for your amazing work, Owen, educating people on this condition. Have a good one and can't wait to listen to you guys again. And that is from Sebastian. Wow, Wow. that was unreal. Thank you so much for that, Sebastian. 
Graham, you weren't lying. That actually was kind of like a movie. It's a twist. It was like, it almost had a three-act structure as well through the whole email. <laughs> wow, unreal. Thanks, Sebastian, for sharing that. And it's, so yeah, as I said, something that I didn't have to experience growing up being diabetic uh, because, as I said, I got it later on. But that must have been so difficult, mm. being in school. Like somebody calling you a diabetic pig, that is just like completely unacceptable and i suppose it shows through the email that sebastian is the bigger man because even after all of that he had gone through with the bully calling him a diabetic pig taking his supplies probably making fun of him in front of other students Mm. sebastian still says i wouldn't wish it on anybody i feel as if justice wasn't done so even after all that, he says, I'm not happy, essentially, that he was diagnosed with type 1. Because if you are a type 1 diabetic, as Sebastian is, he understands how difficult it is, so wouldn't wish that on anybody. But what are the chances of that happening? Yeah, It reminds me of one of my friends in college. Now, look, he wasn't bullying me at all because we're, we're great friends still. And he was on the podcast. Yes. Remember Danny Gallagher? Danny yeah, yeah, yeah. Gallagher, yes. Yeah. Great, so great obviously guest. it wasn't like a bullying scenario because me and Danny were always great friends and still are. And when I was in college, so I would have been maybe, I suppose, 21, 22 at the time. And Danny, Danny used to always, anytime I was checking my blood sugar, or injecting insulin, he would always make fun of me and say, "Oh yeah, you've to take you've to take your insulin there. I don't have to do that because my pancreas works and all this kind of like obviously in a laugh." Yeah. And a few years after we had graduated from college, I had obviously kept in touch with Danny, and he gives me a shout one day and he says, "He'll never guess what I've been diagnosed with type one diabetes," which is insane. If you but, haven't listened back to that episode, it is so. Good. Yeah, it is actually. Let me try and find the um the numbered episode because when he came on, he was a breath of fresh air. Loved mm. hearing Danny's story. Uh, it was a good while ago now. Let's have a look. Yeah, it was a really good episode as well because I had asked Danny to come onto the podcast and he initially was kind of like not wanting to do it because he has never hid his diabetes but wouldn't be hugely outspoken about it so when i asked him to come on to the podcast he was like oh like i don't know what i what i can talk about and all this kind of thing but we ended up just talking about our experiences through college his diagnosis how he's dealt with it he was diagnosed even later than me i think he was like 26 when he was diagnosed late 20s i remember yeah episode number 22 and it's hypo anxiety with danny gallagher so yeah really really good episode you haven't checked it out Uh, a couple of things i took from that is if you are maybe someone who's young who is being bullied about it what i took from sebastian is they said in one of the lines things started to get out of hand but the school took action and we figured it out in the end so if something Mm -hmm. is happening like that in school or in a sports club or any aspect of life do tell your parents or someone superior to try and sort it out and also i know that a lot of parents of kids listen to this just be aware that this kind of thing can happen and just maybe have an open conversation and dialogue with your kid who has diabetes just to make sure nothing like that is happening in school because it's tough enough being a kid with diabetes let alone having to deal with bullying about it as well well said okay let's move on to email number two subject line episode 48 and is from matt 
Matt says, even lads, just wanted to reach out and say I really enjoyed the episode about resistance training. I feel like it's not talked about enough in the type 1 community. I've been bodybuilding for seven years before I was diagnosed, and I firmly believe weight training is what helps me maintain a HbA1c of 38. Keep up oh, with well. the top tier podcasts. Many thanks, Matt Hornsby. So short and sweet. Owen, can you describe to me what a HbA1c of 38 is? So HbA1c is your hemoglobin A1c test, which is essentially your blood sugar over a certain space of time. So the goal of a diabetic is obviously to be as healthy and as happy as possible. And that A1c test, it's a blood test, basically determines what your average glucose reading is over that period of time. Generally, it will be, say, three or six months. Um, A1c of 38, very good. That's about 5.6. So the old readings would have been a percentage, whereas the new ones are, so an old A1c reading would have been a percentage, let's say, between 4% to 8% is where where you're aiming. The new readings are millimoles per mole. So that would be, that would equate essentially to 20 to 64, I would imagine. They're your kind of target ranges. Yeah. So yeah, if, if Matt has an A1C of 38, that's really good. And thank you for sharing that, Matt. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. And the fact that he himself outlines the impact he feels that resistance training has had because he said he's been bodybuilding for seven odd years i'd love to see a photo of him if he's like actually bodybuilding yeah um before and after diagnosis would be interesting as well yeah exactly so yeah matt if you have a before and after photo of diagnosis to where you are now after seven years of bodybuilding i'd love to see it if you want to listen back that is episode 48 resistance slash weight training with type 1 diabetes matt found it beneficial and if you are into that lifestyle as well definitely check that one out if you haven't already yeah, big time. And I cannot emphasize enough the importance and the impact that resistance training will have. And for me, in my opinion, consistent, regular resistance training is the number one way to help keep your blood sugar stable. And we touched on it. Obviously, the entire episode 48 is specifically about resistance training. So there's a lot more detail of it in that. So I'm not going to go into it in massive depth here but essentially when you're consistently and regularly resistance training when you build up additional muscle mass it doesn't have to be anything massive your muscles in a way almost act as like a sponge for the glucose in your system so glucose is going to be stored in our liver and our muscles so if you have larger muscle mass It's like having a larger sponge to absorb any excess glucose that's in your bloodstream. So naturally helping keep your levels stable. Thanks very much, Matt. That is email number two. We're going to move on to email number three. This is the beefiest of the emails we're going to get to this week. Owen, this is from Richard from Australia. Now, he has three questions in the email. I'll stop after each question. You can answer it, move on to the next one, and then move on to the next one. So, subject line, hello from Australia. And Richard goes, let me scroll up here because it's a long one. (laughs) 
Hi, Thanks, Richard. Oh, <laughs> it's a long one. Hi, Owen and Graham. I've been listening to your podcasts on exercise and was hoping I could ask you some questions regarding exercise, nutrition, and supplements. I have recently been enjoying getting back into weight training and longer distance exercise. And I was having some difficulty with keeping my readings in range during exercise, so I decided to write some code. Bracket, I work as a data analyst for the Australian government to help oh, me. Cool. This has been an incredible journey and I have discovered a lot about my diabetes. My first question is around insulin sensitivity. I have discovered that I seem to have different ratios per type of exercise, with cycling being the sport that I'm most sensitive to insulin with and weight training being the least. Is that normal? That's the end. Oh, that's the question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. So like, again, with the previous episodes that we've done, because cardio and because re- resistance training can be so different we've done individual episodes for them but yes richard it is completely normal most people and even just using myself as an example here i will have virtually the same response with insulin sensitivity that you do so if i'm doing extended periods of cardio i.e running i'm running a lot nowadays you're cycling basically the same sort of exercise you're likely gonna see your blood sugars trending lower now that is because when you are running over an extended period of time or when you are cycling over an extended period of time your body's using up the glucose in your system as energy obviously then resulting in your blood sugars trending on the lower end of the scale then the opposite side of that when it comes to resistance training you're likely going to see your blood sugar spike. So we touched on a grain before with high intensity and resistance training because it's a different bodily response with those sort of training, with that sort of training compared to cardio, you'll typically see a rise. So that rise in your blood sugar level is due to the fact that when you are resistance training, particularly with heavier weights, I notice a big time if I'm doing, say, like heavy deadlifts or heavy squats, where your body is releasing stress hormones because it's very stressful on your body to be under such weight and pushing such heavy weight. So when stress hormones are released, i.e. adrenaline or cortisol, these basically act as a trigger for your body to release glucose into your system. It's a similar response to the fight or flight response, where it's like your body's naturally dumping glucose into your system for energy basically the same thing so yes richard to answer your question it is normal it's expected and based off the way you asked the question it seems as if you're seeing your blood sugar lower with cardio and higher with resistance training which is basically the exact same as me i see that that same reaction too so we go on my second question is also related to insulin sensitivity Since I started weight training, I wanted to try BCAAs for recovery. I noticed they seem to affect my readings despite being sweetened with sucralose. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Sucralose? I then did a little research and discovered that leucine can raise your blood sugar. Bracket the diabetes, muscle and fitness group bracket. And the BCAAs can cause insulin resistance. If this is the case, what would be the best thing to take for recovery that doesn't affect blood glucose? So to answer the question at the end, it's, it's very rare that you'll ingest anything 
that's not going to have some sort of impact on your blood sugar. There are obviously different ways to eat and different amounts to eat and different things to eat that will have varied impacts on our blood sugar. But as I said, it's not very likely that something you eat won't have even a minute impact on your blood sugar. So in terms of you being concerned that BCAAs will impact your blood sugar or your insulin resistance. So BCAAs are branched chain amino acids. So much like when we did, Graham, the episode of how protein will impact your blood sugar. Remember we said the protein is made up of these amino acids. Yeah. So there are amino acids that we already have naturally in our body or we can produce them. And then there are branch chain essential amino acids, which are leucine, isoleucine, and valine. So we can't produce them naturally. So we have to get them through food. That's why they're called essential amino acids. So it's likely that you'll have a similar impact or you will see a similar impact on your blood sugar based off these amino acids compared to that impact of protein. Because like we said in the protein episode, protein won't affect your blood sugar as rapidly as carbohydrate will. Because if our body is breaking it down via gluconeogenesis, the process is called. So our body breaks down protein into glucose, which then over a longer period of time will spike our blood sugar. So I would imagine that that is why you're seeing a slight rise or spike in your blood sugar, essentially the same reaction as any protein that you might eat. But just to point out, Richard, in my opinion, BCAAs are just a waste of money because if you are somebody and based off your email and your interest in health and fitness, if you are somebody who is eating a protein-rich diet already, per se, it's likely you're getting enough amino acids anyway. So if you're eating red meat, poultry, fish, you're getting these amino acids anyway. And in my opinion, BCAA is just a waste of money, basically. So I would prioritize filling your diet, as in the food that you're eating, with high-protein foods. And then on top of that, if you want to get higher protein based off muscle building or whatever fitness goal you might have adding in say a whey protein shake but for me amino acids are just a uh, a waste of money they're not necessary really we go on to the last question my last question is in relation to prolonged aerobic activity I was eating glucose sweetened candies during cycling or runs of more than five kilometers. And I noticed that sometimes I would have a big sugar spike afterwards and it would take a while for the sugar to enter my system. I then did some research and discovered that our bodies slow digestion during periods of intense activity. So what I love about Richard's email is he is it's like a, he's doing a college thesis because he's providing links to mm. articles as well. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so it's just even while you're reading it out, Graham. I'm loving it because it shows that he's like doing his own research. Yeah. And that's what I always try and get across on this podcast is, look, all type 1 diabetes is the same, but no type 1 diabetic is the same. So it's very important that we do our own research, look into why are these spikes happening? Why are these lows happening? Et cetera, et cetera. 
He goes on during periods of intense physical activity. I'm guessing that the spike was due to my digestive system booting up after my exercise stopped. What would be your tips for trying to keep readings in range while training? Would a drink work better to absorb carbs more quickly? That is his question. Great question. And it's actually something that we, I don't think we've even covered this before. But yeah, you're absolutely right. So when we are exercising, our body isn't using energy for digestion for the most part. So when we are, let's say, out for a run or sprints or a cycle or whatever it is, our body slows down digestion that's taking place at the time because it's not the priority at that point. So the reason for this is so that our bodies can essentially allocate as much blood as possible to our muscles and to our lungs for energy. Make sense? Yeah. So after we finish our run or after we finish our cycle or whatever it may be, basically our digestive system boots back in 100%. If, all right, if, you, if you think about it this way, let's say you have a big meal and you go out for a run. The priority for your body isn't to digest that food. The priority for your body is to keep you moving, to give your energy to your lungs and your legs, let's say, because they're being used the most. So in a way, that digestion stops. So when you stop, your digestion then can kick back in fully resulting in your blood sugar to spike because the food that you have eaten may not have been broken down fully and released into your bloodstream just yet as a result of the exercise but when you do stop the wheels start turning again the glucose is or the food is broken down into glucose and boom it can be released into your system now the severity or intensity of this can completely depend on person to person and much like i just said all type 1 diabetes is the same no type 1 diabetic is the same. So Richard has obviously seen this happening quite frequently or quite noticeably post-workout. This isn't something that I am affected by too much personally. So that's a perfect example of me and Richard live with the same condition, but the reactions and responses from certain activities may be completely different or vary in severity. I suppose it's just another bodily function of slowing down digestion, prioritizing the movement of your lungs and the efficiency of your lungs and legs or whatever you're using. It's much like, say you jump into freezing cold water and you see your your fingers and your hands basically lose blood. That's because your body wants to give all your vital organs blood so you can stay alive because they're the priority. But yeah, what he I think what he was asking was, should I use like a glucose drink? And the an- my answer to that would be yes. So if you are treating a low blood sugar, let's say with a glucose drink, it's going to get into your system and bring your blood sugar up a lot faster than food because your body has to work less and it takes less time to break it down. So here's another perfect example. I was out for a run on sun, I don't know, one of the days last week and felt fine. I was going along grand and then my Dexcom just started screaming low blood sugar. Now, I wasn't low just yet because what I do is when I'm out for a run, I change my Dexcom alarm so that instead of being notified when my blood sugar is actually low, if I'm running and my blood start to come down, 
I set it so I get an alarm at maybe five millimoles so that I'm not technically low just yet. Yeah. But I'm being warned. Look, it's coming. About to drop. It, <laughs> it's coming. So in that scenario, I have these kind of little glucose drinks so that I can just knock them back. And I know that my body doesn't have to do much work to bring that back up. Well, there we go. So that does answer the question. Would a drink work better to absorb carbs more quickly? And the answer to that is yes. Uh, Richard, really thanks very much for that email. I think Richard's going to be good, though. He has his research done. He has a lot of articles linked here. I think Richard <laughs> is well on top of his diet. He probably knows more than I do. <laughs> uh, we'll be emailing Richard next week, asking him questions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank uh, you, Richard. And, and finally, we'll go to Christine. And the subject line is, what's next for Insulon? Question mark. Hmm. Hello. Wait a second. Christine what? What's the last name? Williams. <gasps> Christine, Will- Christine Williams is one of my clients. She, t- she told me she was going to email in. Ah. So she obviously did. Thank oh. you, Christine. She always listens to the podcast, loves it. And she always, she's always like, anytime I'm talking to her, I really want to shout out from Graham. I really <laughs> want to shout out from Graham. Well. We'll see how good your email is, Christine, and then we'll see if you get a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Christine says, I'm looking forward to this now. I feel this could be good. Hello, Owen. I listen to your podcast while working out. The information is great. And sometimes I laugh so hard that I forget I'm also working hard. This is what makes your podcast so special since you and maybe one day Graham, <laughs> the only diabetics I know. <laughs> maybe one day. <laughs> but you know, I'm bloody dreaming about it as well. Yeah. The podcast feels like being with family. That's beautiful. Thank you, Christine. Mm. So my question is, once COVID is over, might you consider starting a diabetes camp? Even if someone's management is golden, it can be a lonely condition. And it seems like you'd be good at this. What's next for the Insulone Empire? Thank you, Empire. Christine oh. Williams. P.S. You're both wonderful and hilarious, but I want a shout out from Graham. <laughs> <laughs> no way. For real. <laughs> well, Christine, I will give you this shout out. Big thank you for listening to the podcast and wanting a shout out from me. Christine Williams, we appreciate you. Happy Valentine's Day. We are recording this on Valentine's Day. Absolutely. But the question is, what is next for the Insulone Empire? Is there a diabetes camp on the horizon? We're nearly, we're so close to one year of the Insulone podcast. What's next, Christine? We all want to know. I don't know. And it's funny because I I, I spoke to Christine about this uh, relatively recently, saying, because she had basically told me that she had done a diabetic camp years ago and loved it and felt that it was life-changing in a way and it's something that i've definitely been been considering now obviously there's a lot of different things that go into it but maybe down the line i would love to do say like a diabetes summer camp for kids or something whatever it may be um i just think it'd be cool and look christine outlined that herself saying that even if your management physically of the condition is so so good in a way um, it can still be difficult psychologically or emotionally, particularly if you are a child. And much like we touched on with Sebastian's email earlier on, it can be a very isolating and lonely condition at times because we don't get a break. And 
we're the ones at 3 a.m. waking up in the morning. We're the ones worrying about it, going to school or work or whatever it is. So having that sense of community and even meeting kids similar to you at that age, I think would be a massive advantage to them. So I wouldn't quite call it an insulone empire just yet. Not yet. But um, yeah, so definitely on the horizon. Um, but for the moment, I'm enjoying growing the podcast. I'm enjoying getting the guests on and I'm really enjoying the coaching that I'm doing. And particularly with people like Christine, because I've been working with her for a while now. Um, we get on really well. We actually talk about books a good lot. She reads probably more than I do. Um, and she works really hard. She she consistently was stuck with an A1C of seven or eight. And just this year, she brought it down to 5.8, which is the best one of the best she's had. So I always appreciate the work Christine does. And I appreciate that she emailed into the podcast. Thank you, Christine. I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed this episode. Just mm. chatting about other people's stories uh, really feels like it's starting to become a community. And if you've been listening and maybe you've something has clicked in your head going, I've got a story too that I'd love for the lads to shout out. You maybe don't want to come on as a guest, but you would like to share your story. Please do on the Insulone podcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the spelling of that, it's in the description of this episode. It's at the bottom of the description. Owen? Thank you very much. Anything else you want to add before we leave? I think, yeah. The main thing is just to urge people to reach out if it's something that they want to do. Even if you do have a story or even if you do have a question or something we would like to cover and you might not necessarily want us to name you, that's perfectly fine. If it's something that's been on your mind or you would like us to even just bring it up, definitely send us an email because... I really enjoyed this episode. I loved hearing the emails for like off off the cuff without reading them prior. Um, so yeah, it's been interesting for me and even from a selfish standpoint, as a diabetic to hear other people's stories, it's always uh, very uplifting. Yeah. yeah, so look, as always, much appreciate everybody listening. Have a fantastic week. And Graham, I'll chat to you soon. Peace. Take it easy.